If you're curious to engage with a lot of the topics we explore on the podcast in more creative and embodied ways, we welcome you to join us in Alchemize, our 10-week audio-based program of daily imagination practices intended to disrupt status quo ways of thinking, sensing, relating, and being. To be honest, without any grant support for our show right now, and we did just get turned down by several mainstream environmentalism philanthropies, this program and our Patreon are our primary means of supporting our labor for these free podcasts right now. We really want to remain untethered to corporate interests, and every small contribution to our Patreon or enrollment in our program Alchemize helps to ensure that we can continue producing these vital conversations that feature voices and perspectives often sidelined from mainstream media. So if you value our work and want to dive deeper with us, join us in Alchemize today at greendreamer.com slash alchemize and join our Patreon starting at just $3 at patreon.com slash greendreamer. Thank you so, so much for however you were able to support our work during these critical times. We are so deeply grateful. Some people may may look and say, well, why'd you do that? Why'd you go into mass market like that? And I look at it in the utmost positive of light as we don't want being sustainable, being greener to be a privilege. I want it to be accessible to everyone because that's how we're going to collectively really make change. How was our guest today able to get her eco-friendly lunch bags available not just in eco-focused stores, but in the mass market through big box retailers like Target, TJ Maxx, and so forth? Even though issues with plastic pollution have already been around for decades, what did it take for us to wake the world up about this on a global scale as we have more so in the recent months? That's just the tip of the iceberg of what you'll hear today. If you're not already signed up to my weekly newsletters sharing bite-sized highlights from the podcast, you can do so at greendreamer.com. And from now on, I'll also be sharing our next week's upcoming guests in these emails as well. So if you're in, you'll be the first to know. If you do get to sign up, I look forward to connecting with you there. And now to our episode. Let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Our guest today is the founder of Lunch Skins, which makes recyclable and reusable baggies and wraps for food. The company is on a mission to replace everyday plastics with smart, sustainable solutions that are easy to use and accessible to everyone. More recently, they launched a recyclable, sealable, and backyard compostable paper bag to wrap food in. Because it's backyard compostable, it can be used once, like single-use plastic food wraps or saran wraps, but then just be composted, which makes it a much healthier alternative both for ourselves and for our earth. Naturally, this has been a huge hit, even within big box stores not focused on sustainability. 
And that's what we need. We really need eco-friendly options to become the accepted norm. And in order to do that, we need these options to be accessible and widely available everywhere, whether or not they're in quote-unquote sustainability-focused stores. So I'm really excited to share this conversation with you to share her wisdom. Green Dreamer starting with what inspired her love for nature. Here's Kirsten Quigley. I grew up probably much like many other people my age in a suburban neighborhood. I grew up in Maryland. But what really stands out about my childhood when I when I think about it is the time we spent. Um, we had a farm in the western part of the state, in western Maryland. And it was this uninhibited time. Every weekend, we were sort of suburban um, farmers, we called ourselves, because we'd, we'd spend all our weekend time out there. And it was a really rustic place with a, a dirty pond, a garden where we grew vegetables. Um, you know, it was a place to be free and adventurous. We had a, a couple old ponies. And I literally grew up just kind of roaming the hills and the woods, creating these adventures for myself. Um, my parents were trying to grow some crops and grow garden food. Um, but I pretty much grew up uninhibited, riding bareback, swimming in this dirty pond in the summer, skating on it in the winter when it was frozen. And just seeing things, actually, a little bit of it occurred to me that I saw a lot of life and death out there, too, in the animals. I, we saw things being born, and we saw things die. And, you know, I used to play in this old little animal graveyard, we called it, because that's where we would put the animals when they passed. And it was just kind of funny to be so comfortable with so many kind of the cycle of life, uh, really. So I thought of myself as a child as an adventurer, you know, making up survival games and, and things in the woods. And then later that shifted to traveling to some pretty different places with my own family, um, Southeast Asia and Africa. And we did it, you know, kind of in a more of a rustic way. We did some hiking and camping and saw the landscapes change from jungle to grasslands and beautiful sunsets, beautiful sunrises. And and then I moved on in my young adult years um, in college to study international health and the environment. And that was um, just a time to, you know, and more of an intellectual time with that. And then I went on to work for the Nature Conservancy. So I've kind of had a little bit of I've been steeped in, in, in conservation and in kind of appreciating the beauty of our environment my whole life, really, from mm -hmm. at home, you know, very grassroots feeling at home in Maryland to some wonderful travel to other places in the world. And then working for, I think, one of the world's largest landowners and conservation organizations, um, the Nature Conservancy. And then, you know, moved on to being an entrepreneur. Yeah, well, that sounds like a really fun childhood. I wish I had that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. I, I feel lucky. So what's something you learned once you got more serious about it in your educational years, that really stuck with you and just made you feel like you wanted to dedicate your career to this? You know, I don't know that I ever sat down and in, in any academic way said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to, um, you know, create this product. But what I do remember feeling is that as a young mother, um, and I was, I had four young children at home, I remember being acutely aware of all the things we did and all the messages I wanted to share with them about loving and appreciating how beautiful our, you know, our backyard is and our big wide world is. And so really wanting them to appreciate and share those values. And it was when they were pretty young in elementary school that I remember 
um, starting to get a little bit more involved in the school and helping with a butterfly garden and wanting to teach the kids about just, again, respecting their own backyard and nature and things like that. And um, one of them came home with a statistic that, you know, 20 million plastic baggies were thrown out every day. And it occurred to me that we had an opportunity, I had an opportunity to really bridge that gap between what kids learn in school and and these wonderful messages they hear in school, and then how how they bring that home and what they can do at home to create a ripple effect of learning and living those values. So yeah, I think that's, that's really what sticks out with me. Yeah. And it sounds like that was kind of like a light bulb moment for you that Mm -hmm. led you to starting Lunch Skins. Can you walk us through that journey to initiating this idea and the development process? Sure. And you know what? It is a long, windy and bumpy trail. So um, I'm, I, I hope I don't um, trail off on you here, but I'll try <laughs> to good. keep it. I'll keep it to the, the short elevator pit, you know, version building off of that aha moment, as you said, when um, I had four young kids and I was packing 20 lunches a week and I was really you know, very aware of all the things we were doing and all the messages we were sending. And it occurred to me that one of them was, you know, a lot of waste, food waste, plastic waste, just waste in general. And, you know, it was at that moment that I realized, okay, I can be part of the solution. And I can be part of making some making a change, even if it's a small change, a change right here in our own kitchen, um, but a place we live, you know, live and love every day. Or I can just keep doing what I'm doing and kind of hope it goes away and out of sight, out of mind. And I think sometimes ignorance is bliss, to be quite honest with you. It didn't even occur to me that I was starting something. <laughs> but I I think it was an opportunity to say, hey, there's got to be something better. You know, there's got to be something better out there. And as I looked, I didn't really see anything better. So, um, you know, at the time with a partner, we jumped into this this idea of, hey, why don't we create something for schools, for kids, for kids who are the environmental movement and environmental tips and things like that were really starting to become pretty big. And at that time, you know, 10 years ago, bring your totes to the grocery store and recycling was becoming this really easy gateway thing that everybody was doing. And it seemed like, hey, this is an easy opportunity to make a change, bring it to schools and see. And that was the model then was bring it to schools and see if they can help us start a movement of moving away from plastic baggies and into something better. And we kind of used schools as our focus group initially. And it was a great opportunity because you had this wonderful and diverse group of kids and families and parents. And and from there, um, we, we learned that people really hadn't ever seen anything that was a good alternative to a plastic baggie. There were some little things in the market, very small scale. And so we we launched into this idea of let's create an alternative to the commonly used plastic baggie. And we did. And what we what we knew was going into it as moms, it had to be food safe, it had to be easy to use, and it had to be easy to clean if you're going to ask people to change their behavior. Um, and what we really needed and what we knew we needed were these little small changes to have a big impact. And if mm-hmm. everybody could do this small thing, it could add up to something big. So that's really how, you know, kind of the Lunchkin story started was based on our own experience and our own need in our own homes, and then taking it to the schools. And then realizing that that wasn't going to be a very good model, honestly, to grow the company and grow the idea. There was just a lot of bureaucracy and and stuff that we didn't hurdles that we just couldn't get through fast enough. And we were impatient. You know, we were impatient. We wanted to see this thing really take off. And so we did, we took it to, um, we put up a website, you know, literally just did one 
around the kitchen table, put up a website, and we um, went out into the community and walked into stores. And that's kind of the, the building blocks of the first uh, Lunchkins. Yeah. Do you feel like you were alone in this awareness of how much waste was coming from our food packaging? Because there weren't much other options, like you mentioned. You know, I think it was people scratched their heads like, oh, yeah, I never thought I never thought about a reusable bag. But we were lucky and maybe a little ahead of the curve, which is not so lucky, but but it's catching up with us now because reusable water bottles, all the wonderful brands that we know, you know, Clean Canteen and Eco Vessel and all these things were there was a massive shift towards get your water bottle, whether you're going to the gym or the sports field or school or camping, hiking, or just urban living, you know, everybody had their water bottle and everybody had their tote going to the grocery store because some stores had even put a kind of fee on using their plastic bags. So we were riding a wave, a bit of a wave on reusables. And mm-hmm. that was our first model of Lunchkins was reusables. And so while people weren't transferring it to their actual food storage bag, um, they were thinking about it when they went to the grocery store with the tote in the back of their car. And they were thinking about it when they had their reusable water bottle. So we were we were riding the wave off of reusables becoming more mainstream. It was a little bit challenging to get people to see it on that really micro level of in their home, in their drawer, you know, right there. And, and because I think a lot of people think of uh, taking a plastic baggie as going to school for lunch. And we wanted people to think bigger than that. It's not just for kids. It's not just for lunch. It's for all those times you throw something in a baggie, maybe not even food, you know, whatever you throw in that baggie, you can use something better and smarter and greener, you know? What do you think you guys did to inspire this shift in mindset in your consumers? You know, I think people think a lot about their health. And so I think when we could start to find ways to shift the messaging. So they thought about not just the health of the planet, but their health too. And when they could think about uh, making easy, small choices to be part of something that was bigger than themselves and to be part of a community, whether it's, um, you know, just pick, pick one simple, small thing to replace something you use every day. Again, the bottle. Now it's, this a straw is becoming a really big, you know, band thing. So I think people breaking it down and realizing that it could be convenient and easy and that those actions send a message and become part of a, a habit and a pattern and it plants the seed for somebody else. For sure. So realizing that this impacts our health directly in addition to our planet's health and that we can make yeah. a meaningful difference by tackling it like one little thing at a time. Exactly, exactly. And, and I think that um, what I, what I want to help people realize is that this is more than an aesthetic issue of, you know, the, the idea of global, you know, plastic pollution is at an all time high, and it's really getting a lot of wonderful attention in the media. And I'm, I'm happy to see that. But it's more than just an aesthetic issue of plastic in our rivers and seas and oceans. It's, it is a health issue. And there are chemicals, you know, coating these plastics and in these like little tiny microplastics that eventually may end up or in some cases are ending up in our food system, you know, in the ocean. So it's it's not it's the health, it's our personal health. It's the health of our community. It's the health of our planet that is at stake. 
So once you had all of this messaging down, you had the product, um, everyone loved it. What was your biggest challenge growing and building up this brand? Yeah, easy. Um, <laughs> scaling, <laughs> scaling production and getting distribution in grocery. And I'm jumping ahead on you a little because, you know, our mission from the beginning was we, we wanted to replace plastic in your home, plastic baggies in your home and be accessible we need to be in a place where there's where you go every day, you know, where there's a lot of foot traffic and eyeballs, and that's the grocery store. Um, that's a really old section. Food storage is a really old and has not changed in decades part of the store. And while we've seen a ton of of growth and change and sustainability moving into produce and dairy and meats and, and all that um, in the kind of the perimeter of the grocery store. We haven't seen a lot of change right in the center of the grocery store in that food storage area. And so for us, scaling production was, was one issue. Um, about a year and a half ago, we took our original concept of a reusable bag, reusable dishwashable bag lunchkins, and we listened to our consumers, listened to our customers who were saying, can't you make something that's recyclable and biodegradable? And I kind of brushed it off for a few years. And then about a year and a half, two years ago, I said, well, wait a minute, why can't we? Because you know, recycling is that first step in for most people into being greener, into feeling sustainable and doing the right thing. Why can't we play off of that and make um, lunchkins that are you know, recyclable and are compostable and biodegradable and just easy, easy for people to pick up a box of 50. I wanted to figure out if we are going to be accessible to more people, how can we make it something that's affordable and something that is right there on the shelf next to the, the brands they go for? Because I knew from years in the past when I'd done you know, a little bit of sampling in store, I watched people and I watched where people moved around the store and our reusable lunchkins had been in a lifestyle section of the store, a place you might drop into every now and then, but it's, you know, it's, it's your soaps and beauty things and kitchen supplies and water bottles and things like that. And while we had some nice traction, it, it wasn't on the path where most people went to get their baggies or, or a good alternative to their baggies. And so I felt like this was really going to be the step we needed to take to attract more people and make it more friendly, more approachable, more price, you know, price point better for more people to really step away from plastic. So getting that product, that box of 50 recyclable lunchkins, it's made out of a, just paper, hundred percent plastic free, getting those in distribution and into grocery in a very old kind of old school network was one of the biggest hurdles we had. And it was so much harder than I ever thought it was going to be. And yet um, it's been so validating to see how quickly it's it's getting positive feedback and quickly adopted um, in, a, in a lot of stores. I think I might have mentioned to you, we, were, we launched this month in Target and next month in Whole Foods globally. And, and we're just really excited about the positive feedback and excited for customers everywhere to be able to find lunchkins in a way that maybe before they wouldn't have been drawn to it. But yeah. it, we made it, we made it easier. We tried to make it easier. <laughs> For sure. It's super exciting because not only is Lunchkins available in health conscious and eco conscious uh, stores, it's also available in big box stores that aren't necessarily focused on this. Like you're in Target, mm -hmm. Container Store, TJ Maxx. And I think that's amazing because we need these 
options that are accessible and available, like everywhere, like you said. What yeah. do you think you guys did to make this wide distribution possible? You said it was challenging. I'd love to learn. Yeah, it was. Well, and just to play off of what you just said, um, you know what? Some people may may look and say, well, why'd you do that? Why'd you go into mass market like that? And I I look at it in the utmost positive of light as we don't want being sustainable, being greener to be a privilege. I want it to be accessible to everyone because that's how we're going to collectively really make change. And and we want everyone to have the ability to make change. And who am I to assume that somebody who shops in a different way than me isn't as conscious or as caring about the environment as I am? So I I feel really good about partnering with, um, like you said, more of the big box stores because I really um, firmly believe that if we're going to move the needle on on this global problem of plastic pollution. I mean, it is an all-time high then, and it's it's a pretty short time that we've created this problem, the last 50 years, then we need to be really aggressive in tackling that and getting it into more people's hands and giving them a really good, smart alternative. Mm-hmm. So just literally learning uh, a little bit of a new business model was was the hard part and trying to find the right people, the right players, really trying to build a product that we could afford to to offer at that, you know, easier price point for people and, and maybe even doing so in a way that wasn't necessarily most profitable for us, but was the right thing to do to get on the shelf, you know, next to the brands that we, we knew we wanted to we, we knew we wanted to be next to so you know Ziploc, Glad, those types of brands, so that we could really offer folks the best alternative. For sure. What do you think it took to get a yes from these big box mainstream stores? And what did it take to get your products next to products that people would otherwise take that are just plastic alternatives? You know, the funny thing is, I used to have to do a lot more convincing with our reusable line than I've ever had to do with this this, Mm. the new recyclable line. And I think because recycling is such a common buzzword, again, I I think I mentioned as the gateway into being green, I think everybody, all ages, all genders understand recycling, they understand what it is, they get that that is repurposing and reusing things, you know, taking our waste and turning it into something else, or or maybe just um, ensuring that it isn't sitting around. It it was actually just getting the prototypes made and getting in front of people was the hardest part. Once I'm in front of people, the minute they see the product and hear the story, it's knock on wood. I don't want to jinx myself here, but <laughs> it's, it's pretty much a no brainer. It's kind of sold itself. And people are really excited about having something new and modern and on trend in at the right time. You know, right now, again, again, I, I might say this a few times, but global awareness of plastic pollution is at an all-time high. We're looking at um, the cover of National Geographic, Planet or Plastic, for the June issue, and it's talking about, you know, 18 billion pounds of plastic ending up in the ocean every year. People are hearing it everywhere. I think stores are excited and inspired to have something different that is is an alternative to they they know that Lunchkins isn't going to come in and overtake their mainstream brands but I think they also know that they better have something that is a good green alternative because it's also part of um you know their own corporate 
mission and values to be more sustainable in what they offer. And possibly they're getting pressure from their own customers too. The marketplace is demanding sustainable products. And like I said, it, it started out nibbling around the edges of what we eat immediately in our fruits and vegetables. And I think people are now demanding it in their beauty care, health care, and, and even just other food accessories like bags. Yeah. So like you mentioned, there has been a lot of attention given to plastic pollution and plastic waste in especially this year, which has been really amazing. But this problem isn't new. You've been very mindful of it for quite quite some time now. What do you think it took to wake the world up in this way? I I think some change comes about quickly. Some change kind of builds on itself. And we have been Maybe we've accelerated recently, but we have been hearing about this. Uh, again, I go back to 10 years ago, 2008 or so, when it really seemed like there was a nice marketing push made towards bringing your totes to the grocery store. And some really progressive cities and countries were even banning plastic bags. So in the last five to 10 years, we've been hearing about this from San Francisco to New York to Ireland to UK to, to wherever it is. And then the, the water bottles, we've been hearing a lot about that. We have wonderful groups like, you know, Five Gyres who are doing real scientific work out in the oceans and starting to get some more star power and people hearing about that. But truthfully, when the media catches hold of something and it seems like they've really latched on to plastic bags recently or just plastic pollution recently, I, I think it just becomes more present for people and they start to hopefully notice all the little things that they're doing and using and consuming every day. And, um, you know, again, it just plants that seed. And then the opportunity is for small businesses, entrepreneurs, big businesses to start to really be proactive about creating better products, better materials, better systems to both prevent plastic production, but also capture the byproduct in the back end of disposal. So I, I think the media has a lot to has a lot to do with it. And then I and I'm hopeful that it's also coming into homes and families through young people who kind of grew up recycling, grew up thinking about this, grew up carrying their water bottles and, and sort of carry it as a badge of pride that they have their, you know, their certain brand with them. And I've heard that from some young people too. I mean, it's a real, it's a real thing to kind of have your cool reusable water bottle that makes you, it says more than what it is. You know, it says that you are eco and thoughtful and mindful and, and all these things. And there's some very stylish ones now too. Yeah. They're beautiful. And it, it, you don't have to compromise when you start thinking it anymore. I mean, I think we used to think about being eco-friendly as kind of that old school visual of Birkenstock brown bag hemp wearing. And, and all that's cool still now, too. But there's also some really beautiful, modern, colorful designs that, that are also very eco for sure. Well, taking this awareness to the next level, what do you think we need today to accelerate towards a cleaner and healthier world in general? I think it starts with awareness. Um, what keeps me optimistic is, is young people. I think they've really embraced sustainability um, and are the ones that will drive that change in their schools and their homes and among friends. And I also think if we can help people think about the simple little things they do every day and not be overwhelmed by having to adopt 
a new way of life <laughs> or new practices, but just to really rethink little things, little patterns of consumption. Um, start small, you know, it, it's, it can be as simple as that. I feel like that's how the biggest movements are effective is just with a little small change that you can commit to and do every day. Again, from the no thank you to the straw to bringing your own stainless bottle or mug or coffee mug into the shop or work to just carrying your products out of the store without a plastic bag. You know, I think all these things are, are really do- doable and it's it's more just about resetting the way we think. Yeah, it's a lot less intimidating when we focus on like a really specific action that's so easy that it's difficult to say no. Mm-hmm. It's true. Well, what's one of your upcoming projects that we can look forward to and support? Well, um, in terms of projects, uh, we're we're really focused on getting this new recyclable, um, our new line out there and in store and on shelf, and doing a lot of partnerships to make, you know, bring, bring that awareness out there that we exist and lunchkins are now kind of in that everyday space we talked about at Target and Container Store and Whole Foods. Um, and, and just having support, uh, we are a small brand, we are a small but mighty team, <laughs> very small, but we feel really excited and empowered to be, you know, doing what we're doing. And, um, I think if we if we could just get people in store and be part of that, we also are big supporters and partners with some other organizations that we love to give back to. And I know that uh, we're we're very passionate about giving back in our communities. And so um, it's not necessarily a project, but on our you know website, we're proud of making sure that we give back for every you know every order, every bag purchased, and that's something that's important to us too, so that we keep kind of that ripple effect going of helping others who are really doing the fight and the good work out there in our oceans and with sea turtles and, you know, and and all the different beautiful coastlines and places that they work. And then again, just landing in shelves this month, you know, it feels, it still feels a little surreal. And I'm I'm kind of at the edge of my seat thinking about it because I feel like I want to run out to all 1500 targets myself and see it, (laughs) (laughs) which is not possible, but you know, it's like a mama bear. I just want to see it and make sure it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll check the one near me for you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm grateful. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So beyond Target, uh, Whole Foods, what are some other places we can find your products uh, oh. in stores, online, and where can we follow your work online? Yeah. Um, so, so many places, and I, I'm afraid <laughs> I'm going to leave, leave it out, but I will say Natural Grocers is another big one, and Pharmaca in the West... Um, we're working with moms in our own backyard. It stands for My Organic Market. We're, we're really just trying to get out there to, to as many places as we can. So I guess I would turn that back and say, if there's any place that you think we should be, shoot us a line. And yeah, our, web, our website, lunchkins.com, is where we do most of our give back, our give back program. And I'll, I'll keep you posted on anything else that, you know, pops up. I learned so much from Kirsten, and I just wanted to say, if you're also enjoying this episode, please share it with just two good friends who you think would also find this conversation inspiring. It always fires me up and motivates me to hear about the amazing things happening in this space, the amazing people doing great things in this space. So I hope that together, by sharing their wisdom, we can help to elevate this movement. If you do get a chance to share this anywhere, thank you, thank you. With the podcast still being 
quite new at exactly three months now, actually. It really helps the show out so much, so I really, I do appreciate it. And now on to our final five. Let's power through. What's one inspiring publication or a social media account you follow? Um, okay. I'm kind of a lover of photography, so I'm going to name a few. I, I'm a sucker for, you know, beautiful pictures of our planet. Um, love Nat, National Geographic, and I love the Nature Conservancy's um, Instagram, nature.org. I think they're beautiful and inspiring, and they remind me of why I love this big, beautiful place. I also, I love reading an old school here, but paper, um, Patagonia's catalog always has a wonderful short essay in it. And I'm, I'm always touched and inspired by these real stories and real people and the issues that they cover inside their catalog. What do you tell yourself to stay positive and inspired? I'm naturally an optimist. Um, but I, I tell myself to really look to the young people who uh, I see progress in their minds and hearts and choices they're making. And that gives me a lot of comfort. Mm -hmm. What's one must do for your health, either daily or weekly? I have a beautiful wooded area near my home. And it's alongside a river that's part of a national park, but I can drop into it the back way from my home. And I know myself well enough to know that when I'm stressed or anxious or sad or even happy, I get my uh, inspiration and my sense of self from just immersing myself in nature. So for me, going into the woods any season, summer or winter, and just being among the trees and thinking, I always find like clarity there. I, I sort of find answers to things I'm struggling with. I just find peace taking um, a good long walk in the woods. Mm. What's one simple action we can take for our planet's health this week? I think we've kind of touched on that a lot. And, and I would say um, find one small thing that you do every day that you could shift to a better, greener, more sustainable product. Um, you know, one one simple action is just to rethink your consumption of plastic. Mm-hmm. What makes you most hopeful for our planet right now? Young, young people. Um, again, I, I may be repeating, but they are, they've cut their teeth on sustainability. They've grown up with it. They're driving change in their schools and homes and communities. And, uh, I am, I'm very, I'm very proud and encouraged to see my four children and, and kind of, again, the ripple effect caring about and the environment and compassionate about, you know, their choices and how they're going to you know, navigate the world. And these, and many issues are intersecting now. It's not just the environment, whether they care about health or so, so many things seem to be kind of intersecting together. And I think these young kids are benefiting from that. Mm-hmm. And what final words of wisdom do you have for us as green dreamers? To all green dreamers, I would say whatever we can do as individuals to collaborate and stem the flow of plastic from our own homes and our hands into the oceans. That would be my message. But to entrepreneurs, I would say, you know, you're ideally positioned to change the world. And 
And so many entrepreneurs, I mean, it's just part of the DNA, are brimming with ideas and energy and passion. And they can create things out of ideas quickly that people need. So I'd say go out there and act on your ideas and your impulses and your passions. Go out there and just take action. Green Dreamer, thank you so much for tuning in. You can find the two tweetable key takeaways from this interview in the show notes at greendreamer.com. You can reach me with feedback on how I can improve the show for you through the website's contact page. And I look forward to connecting on Instagram. You can follow me at Kamea Shane. That's K-A-M-E-A-C-H-A-Y-N-E, where I'll be sharing more of my eco and wellness tips, things that I personally learn on the daily, and sometimes peeks into this behind the scenes process of producing this podcast. And finally, just remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe and I will catch you later, Green Dreamer.